hello and welcome to another episode of Technically Minded, a podcast brought to you by Credera. Uh, Technically Minded is usually a podcast, and I'll stress usually a podcast, where we bring business and technology insights from across the firm. We get our consultants on the call and we we, we go through a number of questions uh, relating to a specific topic and, and, and we answer them. Today's not going to be that format. The topic today uh, is mental health. And today I'm joined by two people who have had their own mental health journeys. And, and I'd just say, like to say thank you in advance to both for joining. Uh, my name is Joshua Silva. I'm going to be the host of today's freeform podcast. And, and I will emphasize we do have some sort of high level questions that we want to go through and, and, and answer. But wherever the conversation goes today is exactly where it needs to go. Um, and first of all, I'll, I will introduce Joshua. We may get a little bit confusing on the recording, but um, Joshua Greer um, from the US, if you want to just say hello. Hello, everyone. And also John Kendrick joining us from the UK side. Hi, John. Hey, hello. So, um, as I say, uh, this podcast is going to be a bit more freeform, um, but hopefully it does give uh, the listeners an opportunity to just hear um, the stories that are going to be told today and, and you know, be part of the discussion. And hopefully it makes you feel more comfortable to potentially tell your story to someone or hopefully you just take away something from this conversation in terms of relating to the stories that are told today. So just opening up, if I can come to you first, Joshua, setting the scene as to kind of why um, both of you are, are on the podcast today. Would you mind just giving a little bit of a insight into what your mental health journey is and, and why you want to chat today? Absolutely. Um, well, I, I would say, first off, this is an area of great passion for me. And so when this opportunity arose, I was very excited to be able to participate. Um, I would say my journey of mental health and mental illness really started from a point of ignorance, um, both in the sense of not fully understanding mental health and mental illness as well as not understanding how prevalent it actually is in our society. And so my story starts probably about four years ago. I uh, started struggling very hard with anxiety uh, and fear and depression. And that was a point of crisis for me. Um, I was going through a separation that ended in divorce. And through that time period, I had uh, my I had very real, real struggles with anxiety to the point of uh, multiple panic attacks. Um, I was completely unaware of kind of what that was at the beginning of that kind of cycle for me. Um, it had not been something I had really dealt with or at least thought I had dealt with in my life prior. But as kind of time went on, I found it very difficult to think anything positive to just kind of get in a spiral effect of nothing is going to work out a very big sense of dread and that all my fears were going to come true um, that like i had mentioned had led to a couple panic attacks i had not ever witnessed one of those or had one myself and so the first one i had i thought that i was dying literally i thought i was having a heart attack or something like it um, I couldn't breathe very well. I couldn't seem to catch my breath. My heart was racing. My chest felt extremely tight. And I just, and, and in that moment, not only all of those physical kind of manifestations of that attack occurred, I also had 
more thoughts than I could even articulate to you running through my head all at the same time. Um, thoughts that were very unhealthy and very bleak view of the future. And so through that process, I, um, I learned a lot about mental health and I wanted to learn a lot about it because I, I didn't quite understand it, like I'd mentioned. And so for me, it was a, a big personal journey to look back. And I actually had talked to a lot of family members to see if this was something that was uh, hereditary, um, if this was, you know, something that I just didn't know about that was inherent in our family. Uh, my family does have some history of anxiety and depression uh, that I wasn't aware of. But through that journey, I tried most things that I think everyone would try who is go who has the feelings that I had. I I started going to counseling uh, in the peak of the crisis, if you will. I was going two to three times a week. Um, that was very, very helpful for me to at least process through kind of what I was feeling and have someone who could kind of guide conversations and ask questions that I wouldn't even have thought to ask. Um, at one point during that process, I also um, went and spoke to a psychiatrist and, and tried a couple different types of medications to help with the anxiety um, in my case, thinking it was potentially a, a genetic thing that uh, maybe I couldn't control on my own. And I know for a lot of people now that that is a reality. Uh, for me, in, in this situation, it, it actually wasn't um, something that medication helped with. Um, it was very situational for me. Um, and so once once I kind of realized that I, I stopped taking the medications in, in the correct way, uh, never, never just stop. That's a very dangerous thing to do. So anyone who is listening who might be on medications and think it's not right for them, please talk to your doctor because stopping it can make the chemicals that you need completely disappear and uh, can cause you to crash even harder. Um, but with that being said, um, my journey through that ended with, um, with kind of getting some clarity around the situation that I was involved in. I have now come to realize since kind of putting that to rest, if you will, that I don't live free of anxiety on any given day. Um, so if I actually now knowing what I know and looking back prior to my crisis, if you will, I, I would say that I am a high functioning, I have a high functioning anxiety and it is something that I struggle with living in fear and making choices based out of fear instead of um, based out of uh, many other reasons, if you will. And so it is something that I continue to struggle with um, right now. It is very, very manageable for me, but there are times where it flares up and I need to take a day off um, because my mind is not in a, in a headspace that um, allows me to give a hundred percent to my job. And Beyond that, it's not healthy for me personally because I need to focus that time on myself and getting myself back to a, kind of a central point of zero, if you will, before I re-engage uh, in anything work-related. And and so, um, you know, I know there's a lot of things else I could say, but I'm going to pause there and and just kind of say that's that's how my journey started and why I'm here today. Thank you very much. Um, John, would you mind jumping in and providing a similar story? Well, not a similar story, but. A yeah, no, that's, that's fine. That's no problem. Um, I think, again, very similar, actually. I think there was something that was apparent that um, you, you, you kind of don't realize it. 
and I think there is some stigmatism. I know that we're three three gents, as it were, chatting on this call, and I think sometimes there's a sometimes there can be a compound effect of, of you know the need to carry on and just keep going. And for me, it manifested through some fairly um, some fairly intense work periods that I had a few years ago now. The um, best way to describe it really was an accruing of, of activities and work um, that were continually compounding to, to you know, require more and more effort to move things forwards. And, um, you know, I don't know whether or not the metaphor of a wave or whether it was a metaphor of a snowball or whatever it, whatever it is is right. But, you, you, you know, I, I hadn't appreciated, I think, I think, you, I think naivety is probably the word I'd use. Um, but there was a you know a, a continual build of stuff, uh, of work, of of stress. I think is you know the way that I think probably people most people would categorise it if they were to sort of see and understand it from their day to day work. But but real stress, you know, it was something that was accruing, and the weight wasn't ever being lifted. It was constantly being added, and a bit like anything, when you add you know add enough weight to something, eventually something has to give. And um, you know I you know I'm pretty candid about it now. We were. Um, I was actually in a supermarket, uh, you know, and I was doing something very, very menial. I think I was looking at some potatoes or something like that. And all of a sudden I was just like, Jesus, this is, you know, <laughs> I'm struggling here. And there was a bit of a bit of an event, um, as it were. And I had to just take a take a pause and, you know, was lucky enough to have my wife and family there to, to help me. And we kind of left and I needed to get back and get home. But it was something that had accrued over time. Now, for me, I was very lucky. I had a lot of support you know, through through work at the time and was able to take a bit of a break, a bit of a pause, a bit of a breath. But um, much like you described, Joshua, actually, there was a huge learning uh, that you had felt that, that I've gone through um, around the, the management of, of the what it is that you can cope with or what I can cope with. Um, and, I'm, you know, maybe we'll come on to it a bit later on the podcast, but there's there's things now, there's techniques that you know i very carefully managed to ensure that i continue you know, I, I continue to enjoy to like you know continue to enjoy to play hard and work hard and there's things now that i will always look to manage very carefully um to ensure that uh, what i saw and had happened to me um, during that time was not something that like you know i, I return to uh, and i can relate to those and it's and one of the things that i wanted to emphasize coming on this podcast is that there are scales to anxiety there are scales to stress and i don't want anyone to listen to the podcast and hear that that these these stories and think oh well i have to get to a certain stage of stress or anxiety to then start to think i need to manage this it has to be in my opinion an active process of noticing where your stress and where your anxiety is coming from and as you said john that kind of it's that accruing over time it's not just it's some it won't be a, a in many cases, a single moment of stress where it suddenly just triggers it, but it can be in the background, sort of, you know, you uh, for me, speaking in kind of terms of, you know, lower levels of stress of thinking, I wake up in the middle of the night thinking, oh, I've got to book that workshop. Or uh, I'm sitting there at night thinking, God, is have I, have I emailed that person? And it sounds menial to some people, but that can be what I found at times when I've been my most stressed is that it's starting to build up. I've never reached the point personally of of saying that I've, I've got anxiety or I've got depression, but it's that it's those type of things that at least I interpret as leading to that point. Yeah, I would add to that, Josh. One of the things that 
I guess is a helpful visual for me, or at least something to visualize when I think about the energy that is required um, emotionally for us is if you think of a bucket and it, and in your happiest days, it is, it is full. And um, as the day goes on, it might be stressors across many different aspects of your life, whether that's professional, personal, uh, what have you, and you're pouring a little bit of that energy or that, you know, out of that bucket. And if you're not filling it back up at some point, those little things do add up and have that cumulative effect to where at some point you hit empty, if you will. And typically for me, when I hit that empty stage is where I kind of have a tougher time managing. It's where things start to go off the rails. Um, I feel out of control, so to speak, in terms of the ability to manage at that point. Once it gets to a certain point, it becomes very difficult. And so one of the tactics that I have been trying to employ is visualizing that and, and recognizing when I feel like I've been pouring out a lot over the last couple of days or even one day for that matter, just I've poured out a lot and I realize that I need to figure out the ways for myself that help me fill that bucket back up. And everyone has different things. Um, counseling obviously was something that helped me just because it allowed me to articulate it. But also I, I started going to the gym. Uh, I can't tell you how many times through that crisis period, if you will, that I went to the gym at like 2 a.m. because I, I couldn't sleep, had racing thoughts going through my head but trying to do something that would allow me to, I don't want to say take control back because in some ways you can, in some ways you can't. And I don't want people to think that um, this is something you fully can control on your own because sometimes you cannot. But I started to look for opportunities to be able to say, okay, what are positive things that help me put something back in my bucket? And and so if I, if I use that metaphor, um, I think of that all the time. I think of, okay, my bucket is getting empty. I need to take some time to do something for myself or to do something that recharges me. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I think that, that bucket metaphor uh, you know, is really good. I tend to use the elastic band. I think my, my, my challenges are slightly different. I see elastic band that's stretching and stretching and stretching, and then eventually it becomes very thin, very fragile, and it can, you know, it can end up breaking. So that's kind of the the thing I worry about or not thing I worry about as such, but it's the, the metaphor that I've got making sure I don't stretch the elastic band too much for it to snap. I think the other thing that I rely on heavily is the people around me. So I will not necessarily know when I'm starting to have, um, you know, work excess or, you know, you know, family stresses or, you know, trying to book a holiday or whatever it is. It could be something, you know, as menial as, you know, the washing machine breaks to, through to, you know, something more significant happening, you know, like moving house and so forth. The idea, actually, for me, and something that I've learned as an indicator is I will um, allow the family, um, close friends, and even work colleagues, actually, for that, I've sort of given them the, the brief to say, look, if you spot some stuff, just give us a, just let me know. If you can see things that are right, just give us a shout. And there's a few there's a few telltale things that I, um, I, I don't know I do, but it happens. Apparently, I get a little bit snappy with the kids um just get a little bit cross with them perhaps a little bit too quickly and sort of it will be noticed and sort of say okay look and i, and I will realize that that's the beginning of something where i need to start to take my foot off the pedal whether it's say his home life you know organizing family and friends stuff or whether or not it's to do with work it's you know as i say there's, there's all these different factors but um the, i find the people that are around me the, my friends and work colleagues <clears throat> family they're the ones that are the best thermometer to how I'm getting on and, and actually it was some people say it's brave I don't think it is I think it's a case of just trusting in them 
and allowing those conversations to happen just so that it's an indicator for me to to keep an eye on it it helps me in the long run yeah i think it makes a lot of sense to have people to almost keep you grounded um and thinking about let's just take the example that someone may pass off very simply is, is we're, we're all consultants so you know sometimes there'll be periods of time where we're expected to to work slightly longer hours and that may that may grow into you know 10 12 hour days on a sh- for a short period of time um in those circumstances you may need someone else that you trust to raise that you're starting to show signs that you're that you're stressed and and struggling because in in my head part of it goes well it's 12 hours of work and that's what you're expected to do so because i've got that expectation of well you should be able to manage it you're almost not you're thinking well i'm feeling bad but at the same time i'm thinking well i've got to proceed as i am and you sometimes need those people with you to almost check in and say i i know it may seem small and i may you may only think well i'm only you know doing 12 hour days for a week i can't but but what I'm seeing is you can't cope and you need to take that step back. So I, I can relate to that in terms of having people who know exactly where you are and where you're at. I think I think that's extremely important, um, especially in the society that we live in. I, we're in a time where mental health is probably has more of a spotlight than it has since I since I can remember and in a healthy way. Um, but it doesn't mean we're there yet. And and I can say that for me a lot of times my thought process was i would minimize what i was going through right i know you mentioned this a little bit earlier josh of like oh well this isn't that big of a deal you know and and you try and compare to others and say well how can i even feel like i've got this kind of thing going on i'm so blessed and i have these all these things in my life that are positive you know so you try to minimize kind of this the negative if you will the things that weigh heavy on you and the stressors and just say well i should be able to get through this well Okay, maybe, maybe not, but um, but but being able to identify that and reach out for help, whether that's you know professional, whether that's even just speaking to a friend or a family member, even a work colleague, can be extremely important. And I will say that one of the things that was very humbling for me is that as I started to reach out to my support network at that point in time, my friends, and just to kind of say, hey, here's what I'm struggling with. I was completely shocked by the number of people that when I told them what I was dealing with, that they said, oh, yeah, I had I've done I've dealt with that or I deal with that on a daily basis. Uh, I'm taking this medication to do this. I, I am journaling. I'm doing this. And uh, I kid you not, it was probably seven out of the 10 people that were in my inner circle that all struggled with very similar thoughts and feelings that I had. Um, probably half of those folks were on medication. Half were not. Uh, and I say that just to, to kind of point out that even people that are very close to you might have these things going on, but because of the, you know, kind of the societal view or the stigmas that are around mental health, it's just not something most people talk about. And I think that's a tragedy. Um, I think it's something that we need to address. I think everyone needs to feel comfortable being able to speak to people they trust, not just, you know, saying it to everyone who walks by, but to people that can really speak into your life, um, that there needs to be an openness. Um, you know, we, one of the ways I've heard this described that I really loved is, you know, if, if someone has cancer or diabetes, no one is going to shun them if they say, 
hey, I have this, right? Um, this physical illness is very debilitating and, and takes a large portion of my energy. And what do we do as a society? We, we stand by them. We rally around people that we find out to have this. We support them unconditionally. Um, yet when it comes to emotional health, there's a there's a different view of that and and it's kind of a well you know just it's it's not a real illness or it's just something in your mind and and i think that is a huge disservice um to folks and the reason i like the diabetes part in there is because there was a someone who pointed out that look diabetes can be something that's genetic that someone had no control over right it's just something that they have and they need medical help to get over that Diabetes is also something that your own choices could have caused, but it doesn't matter at the end of the day. You still have diabetes and you still need to get care for that Um, because I think some people wrongfully so get this mindset of, well, what did you do to get yourself in a situation to where you have this crisis or you have these feelings or you're so stressed out? Maybe it is, uh, like John had mentioned, sometimes our workload goes up and things like that. And you know, maybe I did that to myself in a sense. Maybe I took on too many different activities. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. You're where you're at at that point in time and you need that help and you need that support structure. And then maybe you can learn from that and maybe prevent some of those things from occurring in the future. But but maybe not, too. If it's like the diabetes, maybe it's not something that you can manage on your own. Yeah, I agree. I, I think there's. I think we've spoken about spectrums as well earlier on of, of where people are and how people perceive it. I think one of the things one of our fellow Credarians actually he he, he um, for me categorised it really quite well. So if someone's got an injured broken leg or something like that, it's quite visible. But it's something that's injured and needs some rest. Right, you need to, it needs some rest to get fixed, and whether or not that's crutches or whether or not that's um, you know, some time off and resting your leg up or whatever it is, there's something there that needs to be fixed and mended and made better so that it can function again and be completely happy with, you know, it's, it's full use and, and hopefully returning to full use. Um, we, we, you know, because of the invisibility of some of the challenges that we can sometimes face around mental health, people don't see it that way. And I think we should just consider it to be something that needs sometimes needs rest, sometimes needs the ability to recover. You know, it is something it is it is part of our body. It is something that can get injured and there's different ways in which it can get injured, either physically or, you know, you know I don't know whether or not it's the, the chemicals are quite hard to how best to describe it. But there is things where you just need it to rest. And I think that the sort of the mental health side of things, you know, we need to we need to be comfortable that actually, yeah, it's something we just as if we've hurt our arm, hurt our finger, hurt our legs. It's just something that happens and we just need to make sure we can discuss it. I think the other thing, uh, Joshua, that you mentioned that, that that there is this, I think there is a stigma around it, and it pains me to say that, um, but I, I do think there is. I think we've come a long way, and I think we, you know, we during lockdown, I think even over the last two or three years, I think there has been, you know, a, a lot of efforts. We've, I know, I've pushed really hard around well-being within Credere UK side of things. Um, we've got a, I think it's like twelve or thirteen mental health first aiders as well. That we've got in place that you know we've got, they're available and and i as well have been championing and there's a good network of us actually been championing to allow people to chat discuss into inside the firm but also allow them the hints tips and techniques to make sure that they can have the conversations within their families or whatever it is they need to do to just make sure they're comfortable talking about this stuff i think the the idea that you know we're three you know we're three people chatting here i think the more that people feel comfortable chatting about it the more likely it is that we're going to find people with common 
common challenges and and the more that it can become i'm not saying that the normalizing it is the ambition but i think the ability for people to feel comfortable about the challenges that they sometimes face around things and feel comfortable to chat about this sort of stuff is um is really really important and i know i i think it's i think it's key actually for us mm. to, to to move things forward i thought i thought that point joshua as well in in terms of it's someone's fault that they've got to place there is is really relatable i mean if someone were for example i was thinking of like a metaphor whilst i was whilst you were speaking i was thinking sort of if someone was you know a bmxer for example, and is regularly breaking their bones. You don't you don't look at that person and go, oh God, they're responsible for that physic and I don't have no sympathy for them being off. You just go, oh, that's nasty. Like, God, how many bones are they broken now? There's no sort of stigma attached to that. But then there's all as you say, there's that there's often a stigma as, well, they must have run themselves into the ground. Two things to is to 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 push that BMX analogy further. It may be that they just have brittle bones, the equivalent of. It may just be that the trigger for them to reach uh, a state where they feel that they need, say, time off work, is lower than someone else. Or it may be that there's different triggers for someone else. Or it may be that there's personal circumstances in the background that are adding to that kind of that bucket analogy of it draining out quicker than other people. Because you may have a situation where your bucket stays very full and has very full few holes in. Pushing a lot of analogies out here. Um, but I think that I think that's really relatable. Um and it, it's it's as, as john says the kind of just feeling comfortable to talk about it irrelevant to where you're at and understanding from the other perspective of saying i'm not when i'm when you're talking to that person is saying i can't necessarily relate but this is where they're at and yeah. and that's what i need to understand yeah and i think something else that you know shows up to me is that as i've talked with other folks for me i was able to articulate kind of what was some of the challenges i was having how i was feeling why i was feeling the way i was feeling uh, but many many folks can't uh, when you are gripped with anxiety um, depression you speak with those folks and a lot of times they don't really fully understand why they feel the way they do um, i have very close people to me in my life that when they are going through something, you ask, hey, you know, what is it? How can I help? What can I be? And, and they don't know, one, why they feel the way they do, and two, how that you or anyone else could help. And, and I think with physical injuries, we have so much more of an understanding of, of kind of how the body works. And so to the analogy of, you know, broken leg, we know what to do there, right? Like we can see it. We know that that's the source of the problem. We can then uh, take tactics to fix that. When it comes to mental health, though, it can be very confusing, and especially to the person who's already in the throes of crisis or, you know, really far down into that anxious feeling. It might have started with something they could have identified, but has snowballed to a point of of really not having a full understanding at this point of what's going on and why. And I, and I think, you know, as we strive to be a culture that now is more sensitive to this, more understanding of it. That's an aspect that's really kind of hard to grasp. I think from time to time for me and for a lot of folks is that when you're speaking with someone, they may not know why they feel the way they feel. For me, mine was an obvious kind of reason, but some people, they just don't know. They just feel off. Off is a word I hear used a lot. Uh, I just don't feel well. Um, you know, what's wrong with me is a thought that comes up a lot. And it's, 
And it's because they can't pinpoint what it is that's actually causing them to feel the way they feel, which it feels, which compounds the problem even more, right? If you're already, uh, anxiety is almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. You, you feel bad, you feel like something's wrong, but you can't figure out how to fix it, which then makes you feel like there's something wrong with you, which then adds more stress on top of it. And then it just kind of snowballs from there. And so I think, you know, working with folks like counselors or people who've experienced potentially some of the same feelings, they may be able to help guide you into a point of where you can start to understand, okay, this is the triggers for me. Um, the, I, honestly, I can't tell you how much um, I'm beginning to hate the word triggers. And I, and I say that somewhat jokingly because the more I know about what is going on with me, the more I understand my triggers. And so I, I love the idea of understanding what the triggers are because then you can say, oh, I know the reason I felt this way. There's something triggered it and this is what it was. And so I can start to help have these ways of managing it. But at the same time, it's kind of like I don't need any. I don't need any more of them. I, I don't need to know because there's just so. It sometimes feels overwhelming that the, I have so many things here that uh, can cause me to start that decline. And if I don't catch it soon, uh, it can be very challenging. And that that's sometimes where professionals can help is they know how far to dive and how deep to dive how soon. Absolutely. Um, uh, you don't. Sometimes it's hard to appreciate that you can sit there on the other side, not feeling what they're feeling and want to delve into everything. It's like, cool, we've got two hours. Let's set it aside. Let's dive into every single emotion that you're experiencing. Let's get to the bottom of it. That's really can be really overwhelming for someone to have to go through all of it. And as you say, they may be at the point of not even knowing necessarily what is causing those underlying emotions. Yeah, and I, and I think, you know, one of the other things I'd point out, too, is I guess a couple things around counseling. Um, for me, growing up, you don't go to counseling. You just don't. If, if you go to counseling, you're weak uh, or there's something wrong with you. Well, first of all, obviously, there's something wrong that you need something, you know, whether it's and it's not necessarily wrong with you, but there's something that needs some care and attention. Right. Just like going to a hospital for any kind of physical thing. There is nothing wrong with that. In fact, it's it's kind of silly not to, right? Like if I have a broken leg and I'm just stubborn because I don't want to go to the hospital to get it fixed. And yet now I'm going to have something that's impairing me for the rest of my life potentially. Um, so going isn't a weakness it is actually a strength because it's you raising your hand saying, I care enough about getting better that I'm going to overcome whatever kind of stigmas people might have about it. Um, but I also think when you're talking there, Joshua, about the, um, you know, kind of not diving too deep too quickly. Over the course of the months that I I went to a counselor, um, it's you know for for those maybe who are on this call who have considered going but have don't kind of have any idea of what that's like. For me, it was very conversational. Um, it it starts and a lot of times starts very very high level, right? Like well, one, why are, you know what are you feeling today? Um, you know, and just kind of tell me about what's going on. And then when you started to develop that kind of cadence or relationship with the counselor, they, they would know a little bit more to ask a little bit more the next time. And so very beginning, it felt very surface level conversation. I still felt better coming out of them because I was still kind of unloading, if you will, unpacking some of, of what I was carrying around. But it was still very, very high level. And it was very and I say that because I want people to understand that 
going to a counselor has a very low barrier to entry, right? It's something you can do very easily. It would be just like having the conversation we're having here today to start that conversation. Um, now, after going weeks and weeks in, that person now started to understand where I was coming from. And they would even prompt with questions of, well, did this happen this week? Because I know that's something that starts you down a path or, you know, so they started to really get to the meat of things. Um, and so over time, that was something that was very, very helpful. And so I, I would just encourage people to think if you go in to your point, Josh, it's not going to be like you go in two hours. Hey, we're going to solve this in two hours um, and we're going to we're going to talk about everything and everyone who ever hurts you and. And, and some people might go, whoa, that's that's going to be too much. I can't handle it. it. It doesn't start that way. It starts very much higher than that. It starts with, you know, just kind of getting to know you and getting to know what's going on. And, and then it goes from there. I think one of the other things, I mean, we've spoken a lot about, you know, the opportunities of counseling and so forth. I think one of the things that we just need to be careful of is that um, there there may be a perception that you as a friend or a family member can help fix whatever it is that the person's got and um you know i've been fortunate enough to to be mental health first aid trained and one of the things that they you know there's, there's this thing called algae um which i'm not going to bore with the details now but i think it's really important that people and just a couple of things that i think is important that you know that they assess to make sure that the person is you know we're kind of okay here there's nothing of nothing of crisis going to happen you know and, and, and anything take turn for the worst very much a listening you know if someone is in trouble or someone needs to you know the, it's important to just make sure that you know you're listening and then what's important then is to make sure that there is the appropriate information given now that can be hard and if you give misinformation or if you say oh don't worry about it it'll be fine that can cause the door to suddenly shut and actually i think there's a, there's a really important thing here around making sure that the right reassurance the appropriate professional help and the appropriate self-help and you know the support and strategies that you know should should be around it as well are put in place and um you know i, I would strongly advocate even if it's just a half day you know introduction course or that you know or, or you do the two full day um the full two-day course being equipped as much as you would sort of in the UK, you've got St. John's Ambulance as a as a first aid, of course, you can do being equipped and being comfortable to talk, let people talk to you in a non-judgmental, um, we use the word psychological safety, in you know, in um, a lot of the stuff I do with Agile. But the idea that there's a, a free space for people to chat about these things, you know, is, is key. I think as well, you touched on a key point is. With the family and friends thing, this is something to appreciate. Is this is a, this is an emotionally charged situation, when someone in your family or your a good friend or even a, a close colleague turns around and says, "I'm really struggling with my mental health," the instinct is to want to fix it because it's not nice to feel that you're going to have a conversation that they're going to walk out to the other side of that conversation maybe not feeling any better or only feeling one percent better. But that doesn't mean that it's not worth a conversation worth having or just taking that step back. There still needs to be that have conversation where you're opening up the conversation that you want to have or they want to have. Sorry. Um, but as you say, it may be that actually a professional is going to be the person who needs to delve into kind of the process of getting better. And unfortunately, in, in a lot of these cases, it's not going to be one conversation that's going to fix it. And it's not going to be a pep talk, a, a, you know, a pat on the back and out the door. And there you go. I've solved anxiety. I've solved depression. Um, and I think it's really important to almost be able to as a friend or family member or as i say close colleague appreciate that as much as you want to it's just it's not a, it's not a quick process yeah and I, I would also add that 
you know, a lot of times as being a person who's trying to support someone who has something going on from a mental health perspective, um, you, to your point, you want to help. Um, and, and I know a lot of folks have felt helpless after having a conversation with someone who is struggling with anxiety or thoughts of suicide, depression, whatever it is. They, they feel like, well, you know, I just talked to him, but I don't feel like I did any good. Um, let me encourage those folks who feel that way. If you feel that way, you probably did more good than you will ever know. Um, because even to Josh's point, you may not be able to help solve that problem. In fact, you probably won't be able to help solve that problem for them. But a lot of times people feel very isolated and very alone. And so when you come alongside them and are just there and listen, they feel like I'm supported. I have someone here who cares about me. And that immediately takes a large amount of of some of the challenge away, right? Because they now they're not doing this alone. They they know that they have people who care about them, and that can be extremely important to someone who feels like nothing in their life is going right or or whatever. That right there is just kind of one ray of hope, and uh, it can it can mean a lot. Mm. If I could change the conversation slightly to a different angle. Um, First of all, I think it just because you mentioned suicide, Joshua, I think it's it's good to note that we're talking about our experiences today, but we don't we're not necessarily encapsulating everything that includes mental health challenges. Um, so I don't want anyone listening to to be thinking, oh, they're zoning on an anxiety and depression. That's just what our experiences have been. Um, I think when we're talking about mental health, uh, thinking about kind of like ways to manage mental health and we, we talked a lot today about kind of you know the the physical injury type uh, metaphor of breaking a leg but what about the physical metaphor of going to the gym you know your body can be in a perfectly good position um but if you're if you for example going to the gym on a daily basis you don't get to a certain level and say i can now lift 100 kilograms or i can run a four minute mile or do whatever i can in the gym and then say cool that's going to maintain now i'm just going to stop going to the gym um it's similar with mental health is that you're you can feel absolutely fine but it doesn't mean that you should stop looking after your mental health and have kind of methods so is it could if we could just talk and touch a little bit on kind of what you currently do day to day um to manage um sort of your mental health yeah i i would say for me and everyone is different so one of the things i will say is is these tactics are or what work for me as i as i mentioned when i talked had talked to close friends who were dealing with similar things um different things worked for them so journaling was one of them for someone and things like that some of those things did not work for me at all like it, it really didn't move the meter at all for me uh, for me personally, going to the gym um, was a big one. I know I, I felt better about myself after going. I felt, you know, obviously I know there's some chemical things that happen during that, but it was taking time to focus on making myself better. So um, going to the gym is, is something that helps for me. Um, I, I I pray daily. So that's something for me from a faith perspective that, that I do. And, uh, you know, I, I list out as I do those kind of those that activity those kind of things that might be weighing heavy on me or things like that and so i think that's fairly akin to journaling for some folks um you know it's it's just noting here are the, the things i'm struggling with or you know um things like that and, and then also just uh keeping a pulse on that i'm doing something on a consistent basis it may not be daily sometimes that's not possible for me but to to do something that recharges me um 
I, I tend personally, I tend to pour out a lot and I forget to pour back into myself. And, and so, um, that has been a, a big key for me is to recognize I need to continue to spend time for myself. And, and that can be a lot of different things, uh, depending on the weather I like to fish. That is a, something that kind of clears my mind, allows me to do that. Um, a lot of times I play video games and, and sometimes I play very, very mindless ones because it's what allows me to just unwind. And so, you know, I know the people on some of my, uh, client account that I'm on right now, uh, know this very well, but, uh, for, for a, over a year or so, I played a lot of Minecraft and it's like, you know, a lot of people as you're like, they're, you're, you're an adult and you're playing a, a game, a video game and not only a video game, a very like oriented for young people video game. And it's, and it's like, yes, I understand. It might seem silly to you, but it's something that I found that I can do. It doesn't require much energy mentally. And it really just allows me to unwind. And so, you know, everyone's different, but those are, those are the three things that I would say probably help me um, to kind of stay in that positive health check. And, and just before I go to you, John, I, I couldn't relate more on the Minecraft thing. I don't personally play Minecraft. I have played some pretty embarrassing games in terms of what would be perceived as embarrassing. I was once the proud owner <laughs> of 100 Greek cities, and I won't go into what that what that entailed. Um, but I remember once I literally sat down to watch a TV program, and I watched an hour of it, and I was talking to my flatmate at the time, and I was, I was sort of going backwards and forth. And at the end of it, I said, that is one of the worst TV programs I have ever watched. There was no actual content to it. I won't name the program, um, but there's no actual content to it. It was awful. And I've never thought less about the rest of the stresses in my life. I'm going to continue watching that program. And it didn't matter that the program was about other people's lives and it was just an inflated version. That was all that mattered is I for a full hour, I was engrossed in that and not in, in my own thoughts. Yeah. And, you know, when I was in college, uh, I would come home from college uh, and I'd still lived with my parents at that point. And you know, I, I would come home and I would turn on Animaniacs and, and watch that for like an hour. And I, my dad is a great man, very supportive. And so what I'm about to say is just understand it within the moment. He, he's like, you are a grown ass man and you are watching cartoons. And, you know, I understand that statement. But for me, it was exactly what you were saying. Right. It's I had just finished a, a day where my mind was taxed very heavily in college. I would come home and this was a way for me just to a very short 30 minutes to an hour, just kind of unwind. And then I was good to start whatever the next step was for me. Uh, so it can be TV shows that are kind of, re you know, like to other people might seem ridiculous, but that's okay. Yeah, I I agree with that. I think there's I think you know everyone has their different tactics and, and and techniques. Um, for me, I use the word decompress. You know, so there is a need to. I think you said the example of coming away from college. The fact that you know, again, I think at the moment we're in a point where, you know, your your time to travel to work and your time to travel to your office is about six or seven seconds, as you walk from one part of the property that you're into another part of the property and switching a laptop sometimes it's even sooner because you're just you're using the laptop on the bed or whatever uh, i think that the you know for me the need to turn off whatever it is you're doing and, and switch on so there for me I, I very much need to decompression time and i think the second thing is the recharge thing joshua that you mentioned i think there is a need to make sure that you've got something that um allows you the space to 
lose yourself in whatever it is that you want to do, whether or not it's Minecraft, and I'm sure there are other games that are available, um, and whether or not it's the, you know, the mindless TV or, you know, some people are fortunate enough to have pets and they can take dogs for walks or, you know, boring things like playing golf or going down the driving range or fishing and all these sorts of things. Injecting those calm periods, you know, is, is really, really important. I think the other thing that um, is perhaps a little bit more out there, but something that, you know, is, is something worth considering is that there's all sorts of different things that people do around yoga, mindfulness and so forth as well that allows people to be back and be grounded. Um, you know, the, the pace at which we are all move, moving at the moment is is ferocious. And, and unfortunately, I don't see it slowing down, you know, grabbing a quick sandwich between meetings or, you know, you're popping out and you're doing shopping and grabbing a bite to eat whilst you're wandering around the mall or the whatever it is that you're doing. You know, the, there's never really any downtime. It's a constant buzz of stuff that's happening. And, you know, actually pausing, reflecting, grounding yourself in whatever it is that you think is right to ground yourself into, say, computer games, yoga. Some people listen to um, mindfulness and um, uh, meditation type stuff. You've got the headbands that you can buy now that help you stay calm. All these things are hints, tips and you know, techniques to help keep your brain muscle, in inverted commas, um, keep it healthy. You know, make sure that you're allowing it to rest because it does need to rest. Uh, and it I would mention that um, when when you're identifying what that is for you, be okay with whatever that is. Um, there, you know, we talk about tongue in cheek. We talk about Minecraft. We talk about silly TV shows and things like that. If that's what works for you, then then don't listen to anyone else in terms of if it's something that's healthy that's that's not hurting you but builds you back up do it, you know, and, and forget about what everyone else is saying. Um, but on that, I do want to, I do want to point out kind of the flip side of this coin. We're talking about positive ways to kind of, uh, work on ourselves and recharge ourselves. I will say that there is an, a darker side to this that people can go down to try to self-medicate, if you will, to, um, you know, do things to reduce the stress um, for me, I can tell you that I, I love whiskey and I don't think there's anything wrong with drinking whiskey. I, I, I see the, the Scotch shirt that you're wearing there, John. Uh, you know, so I, I, uh, I don't think drinking is, is wrong, but I think if, if you're doing it as an escape and, and you're doing it to excess, um, then it can become a problem because you're using it as the escape and you're not using one of these other even if they're silly ways to positively build yourself up. Um, because I, I can tell you um, at a point during my crisis where I was with a friend staying at their house and I went and grabbed a body, bottle of whiskey and I took it and I was going to fully drain that bottle in one night and could have easily done it the way I felt. And um, I, I just remember kind of sitting there with it in my hand, I uncorked it and sat there and cried for 30 minutes and, and end up saying, no, I'm not going to do this because I knew that if I started down that path, um, I wasn't going to stop that night or probably in the future. And so just know that there are, there are going to be times when you're probably tested to say, okay, we want the quick fix, right? Like in life, and in our society, especially right now, we want a quick fix for everything. 
And this stuff sometimes there isn't. And, and reaching for something like whiskey or or other other ways to self-medicate, they might feel like they're a quick fix, but they won't be. Um, and, and that it, you can you can really go dark really quickly. And I think that's the uh, kind of a key thing to touch on is that the the coping mechanism you have to recognize if it's a good or a bad coping mechanism in the short run and in the long run um having a drink to wind down at the end is fine um but feeling that you need it maybe is, is a slightly different emotion and it, you know and that can in the long run that can lead um to obviously worse situations um just to bring it to a close i think just conscious of time we've uh, this has been uh, to be honest if we can do a part two of this it'd be great um but the, it, if just like a kind of highlight reel if that if that's the right thing or just a kind of a brief summary of, of where where you are now so we've just discussed a lot of kind of your journeys and and and, and, and you know the, some of the tough bits are but for people out there who are thinking well okay you know these guys have talked a lot, a lot about their challenges but where are you now and sort of how do you think it, you, you're feeling in your day-to-day lives uh, john if you want to go first sorry i've just left it open for you to both <laughs> <laughs> that's all right no problem at all i think i was i think as i said i was incredibly lucky um mine was a a sort of an overloading of stuff that, that had happened and um, I think it. I actually think it had probably happened to, to a lesser extent. It happened before, uh, a few times before. For me, I learned an awful lot, and I now know the sorts of things I need to. I can. I can spot it happening. I can use my friends and family. I can have the right conversations um, to, to to make sure I manage it. I still work long hours. I still work very very hard. You know spending time with the family making sure spending time with the extended family and also you know within the within, within work as well i could do more to detox i could do more to decompress i definitely know that but i'm much much more aware of it now i'm in a good spot you know i'm very lucky work for a great firm we're very supportive and um i you know as i say it's something that um i like to now make sure that i can explain my experiences like we're chatting here and give everyone the opportunity to hopefully appreciate and understand that you know it may be tough you need to realize it and actually it's okay to to chat and seek support within a way that you see folks you know see comfortable so yeah i think that's kind of my thoughts yeah and for for me i would say you know i let off with saying i my experience started with kind of crisis um my crisis moment if you will has passed um and and i'm very thankful for that um, I will say, though, that I still do struggle. Um, I don't want to say regularly because it, it, it's hard to to describe that um, accurately by saying regularly. But there are many times a year where I still have um, struggles with anxiety. Um, and, you know, even over the last week, if I'm being 100 percent honest with this group, um, I have struggled greatly. It's not to the same kind of degree this it's not to the same severity it was four years ago um but it's it's definitely something that can impact my um my work it can impact my personal life um i have taken time off in the last week because of you know just some of the kind of the the mental aspect of things the strain the kind of anxiety uh, a lot of times that can be 
a combination of things. And I know a lot of times people look for one silver bullet of like, oh, well, this happened and that's what it is. But I think like we talked about earlier, it can be the building up of numerous things. Um, and then it could just be one thing that kind of is too much and it, and it kind of sets it off. So I still do, it is still something that I have to manage uh, on a regular basis. And uh, I think to John's point though, the more that I've learned and the more I continue to learn about this, um, the better I'm equipped to handle it when it does occur. Um, sometimes I'm still not, and I know sometimes it still gets the better of me, if you will. Um, but I, I do recognize when it occurs much quicker. Uh, I, I can identify sometimes what what a trigger was or the thing that started it off, and uh, I, I can take those steps. And likewise, I, I'm getting more and more in tune with uh, kind of a gauge of where my bucket's at, if you will. And and I can start to understand quicker the more I know and kind of have this exploration journey, if you will, um, to identify, okay, I need to take a step back and I need to start filling up the bucket because it's getting too low and I don't want to get to where it's empty again. So. No, I really appreciate that transparency. And we talked all about this journey. So it'd be almost not transparent of us to say, yeah, we've finished the journey because they would give people the idea that they have to have a set schedule. That they have to, you know, it takes one year for this amount of anxiety. Or it takes two years for this. It is it's the journeys are completely individual. Um so I think I think that's all we've got time for today. And and thank you both for coming on to tell your stories and, and just talk about it. I've it's genuinely interesting may not be the right word to use but it's genuinely a really interesting conversation to to just just speak about it and and hopefully i know it's been very free form today the listeners have got something out of it um i will just caution as well that uh, none of us are um mental health professionals um some of us have been on the mental health first aid awareness courses as john mentioned but no if if any of the terminology that we've used is slightly different to how you understand it or um you are seeking advice um, we always say we're happy to have a conversation here at Codera, and we, I usually would say, you know, contact us on Codera UK pages and, and so on and so forth. If you want to, feel free to. But of course, what we're hoping today is that you'll feel comfortable um, reaching out, speaking to someone close to you, speaking to maybe a colleague and just letting them know um, how your situation's going. And if you're not at that stage yet, then hopefully the conversation today um, has just given you um, something to take away. So thank you very much, Joshua. Thank you very much, John. And if we do have a part two, that'd be fantastic. But we hope you have, well, it's it's not quite Christmas yet. So uh, we hope you have a great Halloween. <laughs> Cheers all. Cheers. Cheers.